This is the John Oakley Show podcast. As we move forward, I think these are all topics worthy of discussion. Topics worthy of discussion. All right, let's get into it. Topics worthy of discussion for Pizzaville. Dial pound 3636, Tuesday edition. Two folks have joined us. We've gone to two rather than three. Kevin Gadet, the president of Brightpoint Strategy, formerly headed the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. How's Kevin doing? I'm very well, thanks, Johnny. How you doing? Staying in isolation, are you? Well, in fact, we are. Two, uh, two kids, two dogs, cats, and uh, off we go. <laughs> all right, good. Uh, you know, this may have some positive to it after all. Uh, people sort of rallying around uh, the home fires. Rocco Rossi is rounding out our panel, the CEO of the Ontario Chamber of Commerce. How's Rocco? It's a less than super Tuesday, but uh, a great day for talk radio because people need the straight goods. You got it. Well, then we're going to serve them up here. Let me ask Kevin first off, though. Uh, you know, we've got the government in a very fluid situation, uh, provincially and federally. Uh, we've seen provincially an emergency has been declared. Now, uh, federally, there's still something on plan. Bill Morneau is supposed to speak tomorrow. Uh, we saw them in effect a travel ban, whereas uh, it was just a, a few days ago or whatever that uh, they were saying travel bans don't work. So I don't know. Kevin, how do you assess the federal government on this one? Uh, are they proactive or reactive maybe to our detriment? Yeah, John, we, we, when we talked about this issue last week, um, you asked a similar question uh, of the government's actions at the time. And, and my comments at the time was the government should, should have been doing more. And here we are a week later, and the government is doing a little bit more, but it's still not going the full distance. And I struggle to understand why a government isn't undertaking activities which I think seem inevitable. So the government has, has not yet closed the border to U.S. travelers. All other travelers, sure, but not U.S. travelers. And that seems like a necessary and inevitable outcome. So I can't understand why they wouldn't just accelerate that. And I would actually add to that further social isolation requirements. I think that we're seeing provinces announce states of emergency uh, like Alberta did, like Ontario did. The federal government should be ahead of this, but it feels to me like it's importantly behind the curve. Well, and to that point, uh, Rocco, I'll throw it to you, because when we heard from Toronto's Chief Medical Officer of Health, Eileen Davila, uh, in the first hour, she was saying that uh, we're going to see continued increases in the days and weeks ahead uh, in travelers, especially through the United States. So to Kevin's point, I mean, you know, did she not uh, or did the feds not get the memo from her locally? I mean, it seems like there's uh, a crack in the firewall that's, uh, you know, maybe allowing some folks to slip through. And so how do you assess the federal government's response on this? Is it adequate? Look, they're, they're trying to deal with the situation uh, the best they can in, in very difficult circumstances. We're not, we're not China. We don't have uh, the ability to lock down uh, a country as easily, certainly not without... Uh, uh, not without people's uh, support, and that uh, border with the U.S., um, yes, certainly issues with uh, cases, but it's also uh, over a billion dollars a day in trade. Yeah, but they're not gonna, gonna, no, going to... No, goods, goods and cargo and all the rest are exempt. It's about travelers and tourists and such. 
That's the and, only criteria. Uh, I think in all in all likelihood, those pieces will uh, will will follow in due course. Well, that's yeah. It, I, I gotta interrupt, John, and, and I have the greatest respect for Rocco, which he knows, uh, and and we don't often disagree. I struggle to understand taking the line on this. I think the government's just wrong. The chief medical officer of health has said she thinks it's a concern. The data is clear when you look at the data table. Data tables with respect to the uh, locations of origin of those who are currently testing positive, and and currently half of them are traced to travel to the U.S. Uh, and that is um, both by Canadians who've traveled there and Americans. So it's not simply. Uh, trace to uh, Americans who've come up because you're certainly not saying that you're not going to allow Canadian nationals and permanent residents to return home. I, Rocco, I, I just struggle with the idea of it's going to happen in due course. I don't understand the why in due course. Because the question the Prime Minister doesn't answer, and if I may boldly pose to you, would be why in due course and why not now? I can't think of any logistical reason to ban travel from individuals, I'm not talking goods and services or, or individuals related to that, unless the government's struggling with the logistics of how they deal with those individuals and how they test them and ensure they're safe. And if that's, that's the that, case, that, I think that, they should that, just that, say so. That is, my, that is my understanding, because a lot of those goods are trucked, uh, you've got uh, flight crews, you've got train crews, uh, you have people who are moving both sides of the border as part of the operations of businesses, you want to have the appropriate processes uh, in place so that while we do everything in our power to, to starve the virus, we don't starve uh, the economy by the same steps. Yeah, but I, I, would just, I, I, would, I would just cap this one issue, if I may, John, uh, by saying I, I fail to understand. I appreciate those logistical challenges and that they may still be under preparation. I struggle to understand why there wasn't already a plan in place. We've, we saw what was happening in China in late January, then we saw Iran, and now Italy, and it just feels to me like the preparations for these types of decisions was ought to have been easily seen, or at least prepared for, even if, we were, even if the government chose not to execute on them, for which they ought to have been prepared and doesn't feel like they are. Well, in imposing the travel ban yesterday, the Prime Minister obviously exempted the United States. Now, uh, except for commerce and uh, people like, you know, airline crews and so on, and truckers, as you cited, Rocco, except for the itinerant tourists who might come across, you know, and uh, delve into the 35% discount on the Canadian dollar, or whatever. I know we need tourists or we'd like to invite them and everything, but is this one of those occasions where it's calling for an extraordinary measure and even imposing a ban on those people crossing the border. It doesn't hamper traffic uh, of goods and services and so on and so forth, unless I'm missing something here. But uh, So, Rocco, I mean, this is why I say, is the government being reactive too slowly? Uh, could they be more proactive and really get draconian on this? Hell, look, uh, they said just a while back travel bans don't work, then they impose a travel ban. Uh, they tell people to come home right quick. There's a flood of a mass of humanity at Pearson and everybody's cheek by jowl, which is really counterintuitive and counterproductive to social distancing. So I'm wondering if the government has really thought a lot of this stuff through. 
Well, again, I'm not I'm not here to uh, to defend them. I know that they're certainly uh, doing what they can. I look around the uh, the world, and really, with the exception of autocratic states, uh, the the ability to lock all of those things down, to plan for every uh, possible uh, option. Um, we there are human failings as well, and there is time required, but. Um, this needs to move. You saw uh, in BC, even without the uh, the travel ban, the uh, the Minister of Health there saying repeatedly on on television to American tourists, "We love you, your family and friends. Just don't come right now." All right. Uh, so it wasn't can a formal. I, can I make a slight tangent, John, on this? And sure. Because because mm. you know we we talked you know especially with my background talking about governments and, and wh whether they provide services well over time. One of the reasons when, over history, we look at organizations of government and the services they provide, and I'm critical of them, um, it's a question of focus sometimes. So when I think about the disposition of public health authorities, and I see them talking about bans on sugar and spending a, ton, a whole bunch of energy, for example, I, I need to pick up, I mean, I'm, I'm mindful that's anecdotal. But an example to me where I would be critical of government saying, why the hell are they focusing on something like this, when instead they could have been investing time and energy on preparedness measures such as these. And it's the keeping the eye off the ball of that which is important. And with SARS, I would have thought they would have seized themselves with this planning. And it, it, it appears, and don't, don't get me wrong, they're better than they were from SARS, but it's, there still, could, it still seems to me there should have been room for improvement. There's another aspect to this, and let me just move on. Uh, it's still dialing into the whole COVID-19 uh, issue, obviously. When the Canadian government is uh, leaving a lot of people desperate and wondering uh, what they're going to do to step up to the plate and look after those vulnerable workers, let's call it precarious work, uh, I'm hoping against hope tomorrow Bill Murnau, the finance minister, who's coming out with a pronouncement, is going to address that. I saw a presser earlier today where the Trump administration and Steve Mnuchin, the Treasury Secretary, was saying that uh, they're going to have checks out to people uh, right away, meaning within the next week or two. Uh, Rocco, I mean, are yeah, you hopeful that, that uh, this this whole that idea... Is the same, that is the same administration that said they'd have five, six million tests in a few <laughs> days, too, which have yet to happen. So... Um, Look, All right, but it's aspirational. Let me ask you if yeah, this is something we that we... We absolutely have to get uh, and, and buy at-risk workers. We're talking a huge amount. This is not just the gig economy. By closing schools, by closing schools for a couple of weeks beyond March break and, and effectively saying, look, we don't want our kids in the Petri dish of a of a classroom we want social distancing so that's not uh, that doesn't mean you're going to then be able to put them in daycare and many community daycares are being shut down for exactly the same social distancing reason that means that you're going to be putting at least one if not both parents or elementary school age kids having to go home they are not as is in the current um, uh, proposed legislation being put into quarantine, but for all intents and purposes, they are being furloughed for two weeks to make this happen. So those people need to be covered. The self-employed who currently don't um, get covered by unemployment insurance are going to need to be covered. This is a very different shock 
to the economy on this issue. On these issues, I'm totally on board. We've got to do much more. We've got to do it faster. The signals have to be sent. The checks have to happen because this isn't like former uh, economic downturns where you have a bunch of unemployed people and so, yeah, let's do a whole bunch of infrastructure and get people back to work. We're having people who are not going to be able to go out. So businesses, how are they going to cover rents? How are they going to pay property taxes? This time around, it's going to be about cutting a lot of checks for a lot of people and the $1 billion isn't even the beginning of what is going to get needed to keep things afloat. Yeah, I had uh, Jerry Diaz on, the head of Unifor, in the hour, uh, the first hour, and he was suggesting, you know, uh, might require 4 to 5% of GDP. Kevin, uh, as the former head of the Canadian Taxpayers <laughs> Federation, he was saying, you know, uh, this is not a time to uh, really worry about deficits, uh, you know, whatever it takes. And to Rocco's point, you know, these people are going to need to be covered any idea specifically how we might cover uh, precarious workers or the, the vulnerable in this equation? Well, a couple of things. Uh, again, this is an area for which I, I importantly agree with Rocco. And when I come back to my historic criticisms of government overspending in times of plenty, these types of events, black swan events such as this, by definition can't be forecast. The rainy day scenarios such as these just are the times when government exists to solve these types of problems. I mean, that's why we come together as a society. And when governments don't prepare probably in properly during times of plenty, they're not as well prepared for now. I do believe that we ought to be investing, spending, importantly now, what those measures exactly are. i got to be honest, I struggle with them myself. I look forward hoping, hoping some, some bigger brains at the federal and provincial levels, A, are doing it, and B, are doing it collaboratively. Because we do need income replacement programs for an unforeseen period of time. Uh, a quick anecdote. Uh, I'm on the board of the Royal Ontario Museum. Uh, we're, we've closed. We closed last Thursday night. Uh, and we have full-time workers under contract, uh, unionized. We have full-time workers not unionized. We have part-time workers. And I can tell you that we as an organization have a cash burn rate of whatever it is, approximately $1.6 million a month. We're not unique, although our numbers might be larger than some and smaller than others. And we struggle right now with the issue of cash flow. How do we as an organization stay afloat? How do we meet our moral and financial obligations to individuals? Our first choice is not to lay people off. How long can we maintain paying people to not work? These are questions we as a business are dealing with, and those people who, who may not get paid across the economy need the help of the federal government and the provincial government in these tough times. How about, uh, you know... <laughs> This is something just uh, blue skying here, but you know that pilot that was uh, taken off the offline uh, fairly recently, the guaranteed annual income. Do you think that this might lend itself to an argument to reinstate something like that, so it's a social safety net for everybody across the board, whatever their circumstances? Look, this, this depending on how long it goes, a lot of different measures are going to have to be um, looked at, uh, and and but. Uh, the reality is we've got to get money into people's hands very quickly um, so that they can continue to buy groceries, that they can meet the rent, uh, that businesses can pay, um, pay their costs, keep the lights on. Um, you know, I was in an interesting call um, this morning uh, where uh, a couple of municipalities have already agreed to 
uh, defer property tax payments. And as we discussed this morning, deferral is fine if this is a two, three, four week uh, uh, window, but in all likelihood, uh, we're talking uh, not, in, not in weeks, but at least a couple of months. Uh, and then it's not going to be just about deferral. It's really going to be about, um, about uh, cutting, um, about uh, forgiveness on a number of these uh, big-ticket items, both for employees and businesses. And quite frankly, that's going to mean that uh, the federal government, the provincial government, are going to be writing very large checks. And I agree with, with Kevin. The, the, these are precisely the circumstances why you pay down debt uh, in good times, in positive economic growth to deal with this. Uh, but I, I, I don't want to relitigate that. I want to make sure that we do what we need to do to keep the economy uh, moving so that this doesn't turn into a deep and very long recession. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.